just a little rundown of what this series is all about. If you've missed any of the previous messages, you can go back and listen online or on the podcast. Uh, but e- equipped for spiritual warfare, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, the Apostle Paul is, is, is bringing an awareness to us about a spiritual world that, is, that exists, a spiritual world, a heavenly realm, a spiritual realm that exists along with the world that we're familiar with, the, the earthly world, this world that we are, uh, that is normal for us, this world that we see. But it's in this spiritual world that exists where the devil and his demons, uh, that's where they operate. It's where they move. And, and these two worlds collide and intersect with one another. And, and we can see that clearly and evident uh, in, in the world today with all the darkness and stuff that is going on today. We heard the previous uh, news about what, what happened in, uh, in Virginia Beach and all these different things. It is, it is evident to us that there is demonic activity going on in our world. And so Paul makes us aware of the spiritual world, and he says that it's in this world that, that the devil is, is conjuring up schemes. It's in this world that the devil is, is making a plan uh, to attack, a plan to, to come after you, a plan to, to keep you off course of the plans and purposes that God has for you. And so Paul makes us aware of these devil's schemes. And he's saying, I don't want you to get caught off guard by this, but I, I, I want you to fight in this. You don't have to be afraid of this. Why? Because he tells us to be strong in the Lord. Meaning this is not a, a battle that you can fight by human effort, but it is a battle that has to be fought by you being dependent on God. You being fully reliant on God. And we don't have to be afraid. Now, I... Growing up as a kid, I, I, um, my parents didn't come to faith very early on when I was a baby or anything. They, my parents came to faith when I was about eight, eight years old, and, and, and it was around that time. So before that, um, my parents, and it's not an indictment on my parents. They're not here this morning. They're actually vacationing this morning, so I, I, can, I can talk about them for a little bit. Uh, y'all don't say nothing. Y'all don't say nothing. But, like, when I was a kid, Man, I, I got to watch so many different types of movies as a kid, right? There was, like, really no restrictions on the type of movie that I got to watch as a kid. I mean, I, rated R movies, whatever. It, it was nothing. It was nothing. It was like I, I'd watch horror movies, action movies. It didn't matter. But, but, but horror movies was one of those movies that I would watch as a kid. My parents would allow me to watch it, right? Uh, this was before they came to faith. And, and, and so uh, I, I have to stress that. Before they came to faith in Jesus, and so, I, I, as a kid, I, w- they, I got to watch these movies, and so I, there was this fascination with horror movies. We had this discussion the other day. And, and, and what I notice about horror movies, if you've ever seen a horror movie, is it, it, it's always this, this evil force of some sort, whether it's a, a mass murderer or uh, an evil force, a demonic force or something, that, that, that shows up on the scene and begins to, to, to either kill people or mess with people, whatever it is. And so there's this evil force that appears, and then, and then in the movie, there's, there's this, this good force that appears. Either it's a, it's a priest or some sort that, 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 that shows up on the scene, and this priest is going to uh, uh, fight uh, th- this evil force by whatever means necessary. He's going to pray or open a, a, a scripture up, or he's going to throw some holy water. He's going to do whatever he can to fight this evil force. And in, in most cases, usually in the movie, uh, this evil force— uh, will be defeated uh, by this 
good force or this priest or God or whatever they, they say they're defeating this evil force with. And so this evil force or this demonic force loses in this movie, and you think everything is great. But then at the very end of the movie, when you think that the evil is gone and the, the demon's been defeated and, and the killer is dead, at the very end of the movie, the evil force reappears. And you're like, wait a second. It's not dead. Wait a second. They're not dead. Wait a second. They didn't win after all. And then the movie ends. And so you're left with no kind of resolution as to was evil truly defeated in this movie. They, they do that because they want you to leave the movie still afraid. Oh, my goodness. It's still alive. That's the whole point of the horror movie. And I know that very well because, like I said, I've been exposed to that since I was a kid. So I know how horror movies work. They want to leave you afraid. They want to leave you without a resolution. They want to leave you with, hey, well, what if this evil force is still alive? What if this evil force didn't lose after all and good did not win? But I'm here to reassure you this morning that, that we don't have to be afraid of the evil force. We don't have to be afraid of demonic activity. We don't have to be afraid of demonic uh, uh, influence in the world because God, number one, he's given us his presence. He's with us. But God has also equipped us to fight in this battle. He did not leave us ill-equipped. He did not leave us alone, but he left us equipped and prepared to fight. But as I said, this is not a fight that we can fight with human effort. You can't fight this in your own strength. You can't fight this in your own ability. But you have to be reliant on God. And because of that, you don't have to be afraid. Okay, so then in verse 13, not only does God leave us with his presence, but then he begins to list out this, this spiritual armor that we've been equipped with, this, this armor of God that we now have. In fact, let's read this together. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. Verse 13 says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, now the day of evil is now, that it's already come, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And so we see here this, this list of armor that we've been given, this spiritual armor. And we've been going through each piece of the armor over the past couple of weeks. And the, the first week we talked about this, we talked about the belt of truth, being buckled or fastened with the belt of truth. The belt for the armor held everything together. And how we need the truth to hold all things together. Not just any truth, but the truth of God. God's truth that holds all things together. And that truth is simply this. It's the gospel. That you and I are, were sinners that needed a savior. And Jesus came, 
became our Savior. He died on the cross so we could be forgiven of sin. He rose again, and we now have new life. That's the good news. That is the truth of God that holds all things together. And so we have the belt of truth. Then the, the following week, we talked about the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate, which is the guarding of our hearts, of righteousness. To be righteous means to be made right with God. And so what that means is we are guarding our hearts with the truth and knowledge that we are right with God because of what Jesus has done. Which means that we can guard against the accusations of the devil that says you're not right with God, where the devil says God does not love you, God is not pleased with you, what is God, God doesn't want anything to do with you. That is a, a guarding of the heart against those accusations because we are made right with God because of what Jesus has done. And so the breastplate of righteousness and then last week, we talked about the shoes, having our feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, meaning having the right type of shoe that keeps us in place, that helps us to stand firm, but not just any type of shoe, but the shoe that is fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, a, a, a peace that keeps us stable because, see, God wants to bring stability in your life. And for far too long, many of us have been getting knocked over by the enemy. We've been getting knocked over by life circumstances. But it's the peace of God that brings stability for us. Not the world's peace, but God's peace. The scripture says to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, which means that we let the peace of God call the shots in our lives. Not the circumstances of life. Not the environment. But God's peace, the peace that comes from the inside out the armor of God and so today verse 16 is where we're going to hang out and camp out for a few moments that I have you here and verse 16 says this it says in addition to all this take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one let's talk about this shield for a moment a Roman soldier's shield uh, was a wooden shield, a very strong wooden shield. Uh, probably stood roughly about four feet tall and about two and a half feet wide. And, and if we could use this pulpit uh, as maybe a, just, a, just a basic example, this shield was large enough so that, that if the soldier positioned himself right, he could, he could have his entire body covered and guarded by the shield. And so the, the soldier's shield uh, was this great shield. It was the first line of defense for the soldier. It was, a, it was the armor for the armor. The hope was that nothing would penetrate that shield. The soldier was ready just in case anything penetrated the shield, but, but ultimately the shield is the first line of defense. And so the enemy got smart. And the enemy said, hey, they have wooden shields. We need to create flaming arrows. And you and I both know flaming arrow and a wooden shield is very problematic for a soldier. And so what the enemy created was th this type of arrow uh, that at the tip of the arrow, there was this, 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 this very thin cloth that had a, a type of flammable liquid on it. And they even say that the type of arrows they had were, were, were kind of hollow arrows on the inside so they could actually pour this flammable liquid throughout this entire arrow. And so they would shoot this arrow, and as it, 
impacted the soldier's shield, it would burst into flames, thus creating some major problems for the soldier. And so that was the intent of the enemy. The enemy said, look, we're going to penetrate those shields. Let's create arrows of fire, flaming arrows. Or in this case, what we read in Scripture, the, the flaming arrows of the enemy. Let's talk about the flaming arrows of the enemy for a few moments. We've been uh, uh, discussing over the past few weeks the attacks of the enemy. Right? I, I said in the first week or the second week or so, we, 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 we have the belt of truth, right? So it, it guards against the attack of the enemy, which is deception. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. He's the father of lies, as the scriptures say. And then we talked about the accusations of the enemy, how the, the enemy is throwing accusations at you, and he's saying you're, you're not worthy. He's saying God doesn't love you. God doesn't want anything to do with you. You messed up. You sinner. All these different things. So we, we guard against the accusations. But we could go down a whole list of, of, of attacks from the enemy and what that looks like for us. Uh, oftentimes the flaming arrow, the intent of the flaming arrow is not just to hit you at one point. But the enemy wants to hit you at one point, but also cause damage to areas around it. Meaning he doesn't want to just hit you at one area. He wants to affect all other areas in your life. Let's take, for example, uh, the, the flaming arrow of doubt. The enemy feels that if he can just get you to doubt God, if he can just get you to not believe God, if he can just get you to not take God at his word, then that's going to affect every area of your life. Because if you don't trust God, then you truly can't be a person of faith or you truly can't be a Christ follower. And if you remember what I've said, the enemy doesn't want you following Jesus. The enemy doesn't want you to have the purposes of God for your life. So he's going to throw flaming arrows of doubt. And those flaming areas of doubt, again, they don't affect just one area of your life. They affect many areas of your life. What about a flaming arrow of offense? Has anybody here ever been offended before? Oh, yeah. Maybe in a relationship somebody offended you. Maybe even in the church somebody offended you. It happens. I've been in church a long time, so that, that happens even within the church. But, but the, the flaming arrow of offense, if the enemy can just get you offended, if he can just get you feeling a certain way about somebody, let's just keep it within the church for a moment. Like, like we are meant to be a fellowship of brothers and sisters. We are, we are meant to be in, in unity together. We are meant to be in community together. And the, the enemy knows if he can just spark any little thing to break that up, if he can just do any little thing to break up fellowship, to break up unity, let me just throw a fence. Maybe it was a wrong interaction you had with somebody. Somebody spoke to you a certain way. You ever had somebody speak to you a certain way and you were like, man, I don't like that tone. I, don't like, I didn't really like the way they talked to me that way. And it may not have been anything. It may have been just a small interaction, but it was enough to bother you. And what happens many times, especially within the church, is that when that arrow of offense comes, well, we don't just, just, just 
just treat it as one little uh, uh, point of contact, it, it begins to spread, and that offense begins to turn to bitterness. And then you start to realize, well, I don't need it here anyway. <clears throat> Let me just leave church altogether because, man, I, every time I see them, they offend me. And so that's what happens, right? People end up leaving church. They leave the faith. And so the arrow of offense, the arrow of bitterness, we, we see these things just begin to spread. And that's what the enemy desires to do. The flaming arrows of the enemy. And the problem is, because we don't have the right shield, when we see the flaming arrows come, we try to dodge <laughs> and avoid the arrows in our own strength. We see the arrows coming, and in our own strength, we're, we're trying just to keep from getting hit, but there's so many of them coming. We need the shield. But not just any shield. The Bible says they, the shield of faith. And so here's what the soldier has done. Because the soldier realized that his wooden shield was not, was not uh, fortified enough, was not a good defense against a flaming arrow. And so what the soldier would do and what they got uh, smart in doing is they, before they went to battle, they would take their wooden shields and they would soak them in water. And they would leave their shields soaked in water so that by the time they got to the battlefield, by the time they got to the battle line, when the enemy would shoot a flaming arrow in their direction, that upon impact, the shield was so damp and so soaked with water that it would extinguish the flaming arrow of the enemy. And so we see here this shield of faith. It can't just be any type of shield. It's got to be a shield that is soaked in faith. It's got to be a shield that is prepared and ready to extinguish the flaming darts or arrows of the evil one. We need the wet shield. You need the wet shield. You don't just need just any old shield. You need the shield of faith. You need a shield that is going to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one, the shield of faith, the only shield that can quench, the only shield that can put out the fiery arrows. So let's talk about faith for a few moments because I think we need a better understanding of faith. Faith is not just a belief system. Faith is not just a, a type of religion. Faith is not just a feeling. But if we look at the scripture, the scripture really gives us a good context of what faith is. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Hebrews 11, 1 says, now faith is confidence. Say confidence. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for. And assurance. Say assurance. And assurance about what we do not see. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So, in other words, if I were to reword this, I would say it is the confidence and assurance that if God said it, he will do it. Are, are you following me? Are you, are, you, are you running with this? Faith is the confidence and assurance that if God said it, he will do it. Faith is believing in what God has already said. That's faith. That will quench the fiery darts of the enemy. Believing in what God has said. Remember, faith isn't just a feeling. 
I, I, I don't feel faith. Let me conjure up some faith. I need faith, God. Give me faith, God. Give me faith, God. No, you're not conjuring up in faith. You just look constipated. Faith is just simply believing in what God has already said. And so let me just give you in our time together, a few moments, the three aspects of faith we need to get because we need to have the right shield of faith. The three aspects of faith we need to get, three characteristics of faith that we need to understand. The first is this, number one, it begins with what God said. Faith begins with what God has said. It's the revelation of what he says. What has God said? What has God said in his word? What has God said in his word? What is God communicating to us through his word? What has God said? What is God saying to you personally? What is God saying to you about sin? What is God saying to you about salvation? What is God saying to you about your lifestyle? What is God saying to you about your relationships? What has God said? That's where faith begins. It begins with what God has already said. If you continue reading in Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible begins to list out these great heroes of the faith. And one hero of the faith that, that chapter 11 mentions is a man named Abraham. Abraham known as the father of the faith. And God wanted to do some incredible things through Abraham. God began to tell Abraham, look, Abraham, through your seed, I, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless the nations. You'll be a blessed man. Not just you, but your family and the generations after you will be blessed. But in order for God to do this special, unique thing for Abraham, God had to move him. He had to move Abraham. So if we read in chapter 11, verse 8, verse 8 says this. It says that, that by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place. So, so please understand, Abraham was good where he was at. Abraham was comfortable. Abraham had everything he needed. He was secure. But God needed to do something special in Abraham. So what does he tell him? He tells him to go. Leave what is familiar to you. Leave what is secure to you. Leave what you already know because I need to do something new and different with you. So he called him to go. That's what God has said. What God has said. That's where faith begins. God tells Abraham to go. What is God saying to you? What is God communicating to you? What has God said about your life? For some of you, he's calling you to go. He's calling you to go. The scriptures Say this, say this, it says that uh, Hebrews, uh, 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 I'm sorry, Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, right? So we, we again, we see that the birthing of faith, it, it begins with what God has said. So my question to you tonight, today is this, do you know what God has said? Do you know his word? Do you know it? Is it, is it seeped into your heart? Are you, are you listening to what he's saying about your life or for your life? Because that's where faith begins. Faith doesn't begin with you. 
It doesn't begin with you. It begins with God and what he has said. That's the first aspect of faith. What has God said? The second aspect of faith, the second characteristics of faith, first it begins with what God said. Now Now the second step is what do I decide? What do I feel about what God has said? What is my decision about what God has said? Do I trust him and take him at his word? Or do I not trust him or believe what he said? Now it's a decision. Now it's my part. It, it, it now it began with God, but now it's up to me to take the next step. Is, is faith really active in my life? Do I believe what God has said? Do I have the confidence and assurance that what God said he will do? Do I believe him? And I ask you this morning, do you believe God? Think about that for a moment. Do you believe God? Because God has said a lot of things. God is very black and white. <laughs> there's, there, 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 there's, there's no gray area. God, is, God has communicated what he needs to say. God has said what he's needed to say about sin. He says the wages of sin is death. Nothing good comes out of sin. He's already said it. So you know what God has said about sin. What has God said about your eternity? Well, ultimately, God doesn't desire for anybody to perish. That's why he sent Jesus. The question is, do you believe him? Do you take him at his word? It's a decision. It's a decision. And when God spoke to Abraham, he told Abraham to go. Leave what is familiar to you. Leave what is comfortable for you. Leave what is secure for you. I need you to go. And so the Bible says that Abraham obeyed. Abraham made a decision to say, God, I don't know where you're taking me. I don't know what this is going to look like, but I made a decision that I'm going to trust you and take you at your word. And this is the place where many of us are at right now. You're hearing what God has said. Now you got to make a decision. Do I really trust him? You know what God has said about your lifestyle. You know what God has said about your relationships. Now the question is, do you believe him? And do you trust him? Abraham obeyed. He made a choice. He made a decision. See, in order for faith to be active in your life, it, it begins with you making a decision in your heart to believe what God has said. So it begins with what God has said. The next step is what do I decide? What, what, how do I feel about what I heard God tell me. What do I feel about what God has said? Do I, do I believe him or do I not believe him? See, and some of us are so, so indecisive right now. We're so indecisive. And here's how we know we're indecisive. Because it leads us to the third aspect of faith. Begins with what God said. The next step is what do I decide? How do I feel about what God says? And leads us to the third aspect and characteristic of faith. Now, what do I do? It's action. 
Because if I say that I believe what God said, now I'm going to step and move into the direction that God has told me to go. And Abraham, God told Abraham, he says, I need you to go. And it says that Abraham obeyed and went. He made a decision that he was going to trust God, and he went. He moved. He put action to his steps. And this is how I know many people are still in the indecisive stage because we haven't moved. We haven't seen faith in action. We know what God said, but I'm still kind of undecided if I truly believe him or not. Maybe you say you believe him. Maybe you, you, you say you, you love him, you say you trust him, but we haven't moved. We haven't taken the step that we needed to take to put faith in action. I heard this quote one time, and I don't even know who said it, but it's just a simple quote that simply says, what you believe is what you do. Everything else is just talk. What you believe is what you do. How are you living? How are you living? Do you trust the gospel? Do you trust the good news? Because if you trust it, how you live should reflect that. If you believe what God says, every step you take should be a response to what God has already said. That, my friend, is faith. That's faith. That's real faith. It's not a feeling. It's not just a belief system somewhere. Oh, I have my faith. You have your faith. No, true faith is the confidence and assurance. It's the confidence and assurance that what God has said, he will do. Do you believe that this morning? That's the faith. That is the shield of faith that's going to extinguish the darts of the enemy. That is the shield of faith that is going to keep these attacks from penetrating your armor. It is the faith and trust and confidence that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. And for some this morning, you hear the gospel, you hear the good news, you you hear how God feels about you, but some of you haven't taken the step, the step of fully surrendering your life. Fully surrendering, like your whole life, fully surrendering everything about you. Surrendering your will, surrendering your passions, your desires, surrendering everything to the Lord. See, faith faith is what you don't see, and that's something we need to understand because if you can see it, you don't need faith. If you can see it, you just don't need faith. One of the honors and privileges that I I get to do is is to... uh, is to preach at or share at, at home-going services or funeral services for, for men and women who are followers of Jesus. 
And one of the things I like to share, because it brings me great hope, and I, and I, and I pray that it brings other people great hope, but one of the things I like to share is about the person that, is, that has gone on to be with the Lord. I say, you know what? Today, they don't need faith in Jesus. They no longer need faith in Jesus. Why? Because he's right in front of their face, right? They don't need faith. We need faith. We need faith. We need the confidence and assurance that what God has said he will do. We need that faith. And even though you can't see it, even though things don't look like you hoped they would, you need to learn to take God at his word. And you need to learn to trust him because that's the only way that's the only way the flaming arrows of the enemy can be extinguished. It's the only way. And so where are you in your faith walk? We heard what God said. Now you need to make a decision if you're going to trust him or not. And if you say you trust him, then you're going to move and put action to your faith. Real faith. Real faith. God is calling some of you this morning into a relationship with him. A real relationship with him. A, a truly surrendered life relationship to him. Some of you are still undecided. Some of you are still wondering. I don't know if I fully want to release my life to him like that. I don't know if I fully want to surrender my life to him because if I surrender my life to him, then there's things in my life that might get taken away. There's things in my life that are so precious to me, I'm not quite sure if I want to give that up yet. That means you don't trust God. It's the same with our finances, right? When we talk about tithing and offering and giving, people tend to get very tight during that portion of the service. Why? Because we're holding to that which is precious to us. But we're telling you, hey, trust God with your finances. Trust God. He is your provider. He will, he's, a, he's a giver. He is generous. And we're like, yes, God. Offering bucket comes, you're like, no, God. It's the same with life. God is saying, you can trust me with your life. You can trust me. If you surrender it all to me, yet some of us, we hold on very tight. And today, God wants you to fully trust him 100%. Today, God wants you to fully give up yourself, to fully surrender your life to him. And for some of you today, this may be the first time ever you've done this, but if you want to fully surrender your life to the Lord today, if you want to truly walk in the forgiveness of sin and a new life with Jesus, today can be that day for you. Do you trust him enough to do so? Let's stand to our feet.